Welcome to The Confessional Taco, a podcast exploring historic faith and practice rooted in the depths of Mexican-American culture. In our time, we want to invite you into the conversation on all things confessional, cultural, and hyphenated. My name is Marco, and I am a writer, a local pastor, and a preacher. And my name is Serge. I'm an educator, a musician, and a writer. And this is Taco Tuesday. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whichever it is that you choose to listen to us in. Uh, either way, we are glad you're here. Today's going to be a really cool and special episode. We are going to be talking about an article that our very own Marco de Leon was interviewed for. Um, and so we're going to let him do a lot of the talking. We're going to ask a couple of questions here and there, but uh, mainly, um, we just really want to look at this article, look at the facts, and then discuss those facts. Marco. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. So, um, sorry, I was posting on our Instagram. Um, so I'm doing well. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm doing well. I feel like it's necessary to, to tell people it's, it's 2020. Oh yeah. Because yeah, it's um, a new year, new me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. New year, new tacos. Uh, oh my gosh, yes. That needs to be a shirt. Somebody out there, uh, you need to make shirts that say New Year, New Tacos, and send that to us. Size mediums right here. And over here, we have extra large yeah. as he's flexing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no need to flex, but okay. I just sure. want, I want people to know. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so it's the new year because when yeah. we, re- so at this point, several of our episodes will have already been dropped. Yes. And so hopefully you guys are enjoying those episodes. Yeah. We're um, what, we, what you call responsible. And so like we record ahead of time uh, and then release as the time goes by, flies by. Yeah. You know, it's been, it's been kind of a trip because at the very least, because one of the conversations that I was having with a friend earlier this week was he was asking me about the work behind having a podcast and I, and I know okay. there are some podcasts that you could, I mean, you can make a, a great deal of, of work. Sure. Like to make it happen yep. behind the scenes. And we, we don't. Yeah. We so. don't. <laughs> <laughs> we just kind of say like, Hey, let's, uh, let's yeah. record today. Yeah. We, we, we put in about five hours a month. Um, so. <laughs> maybe I think that's pushing it a little bit. Yeah. I, I really do think that's pushing it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, we do schedule it. Yes. You you do a good job at doing that spreadsheet stuff on Thanks, the Googles. <laughs> you like do color stuff and, and I say, okay. And then we uh, come to the the taco shack and discuss stuff. True. I just hit my mic. But yes, this is true. Sorry for all those out there that experienced that microphone hit. We yes. apologize in advance for all of Marco's mistakes. Sorry. And mine. Literally, Actually, no, just his. Literally a sinner here. Li- uh. <laughs> Quite literally the sinner. Yeah. I feel like a, I want to meet Paul so I can tell him that he was wrong, that, that I'm the sinner of sinners. What do you think? You want to challenge him? I want to challenge Paul. Yeah. I also want to meet Adam and like slap him in the face. <laughs> it is It is because of you that I have to work every day. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can't Adam, just hang out. But Adam did work before the fall. Y- yeah, naming animals. I mean, that's a job. I mean, I would love to do that. 
That's a that's a, that's a hard platypus. Time. Yeah, yeah, but coming up with those names, I guess that is work. I am not that creative to come up with that those that many names. I don't know if I am either. Actually, now that I'm thinking, about <laughs> that job sounds hard. That now all of a really sudden we're failing sound, out. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Adam. <laughs> Great. We already I fell. To before. Teach 123 fourth graders. Exactly. We're we already fell. So. We already fell. Yeah. We exactly. We would have done worse. So. We well, I don't know. Yeah, you couldn't even finish the one job you were given. That's true. That's true. If you're out there and you come up with animal names, put it down on our comments section in our Instagrams. That's what you call it, right? Instagrams? Instagrams. Instagrams. The IG. And on the IG. <laughs> Drop us a DM. So what, do, what do they say? Slip in the DMs. Whoa. Oh, but that's like a... That's not... Yeah. That. That's not the right way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't slip into our DMs. Send us a DM. <laughs> Just to be clear. Just to be clear. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, we're going to be talking about this article from Christianity Today. Um, Marco, can you tell us a little bit about this article? You met the, the author of the article. She came down uh, to visit the church, and you guys had a conversation. Her and I had a conversation as well. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the article before we actually, and I hate to use this word, even though you use it all the time, th- this phrase, before we dive in hey, there are phrases it. I use because they're safe. I don't have to think of anything new. I guess those phrases are safe. So, I mean, they're safe for me. Yeah, sure. Anyway, so before we... Makes dive, it sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, tell us a little bit about uh, the experience of being interviewed for this article. Like, what it what did it mean to you yeah. to be interviewed by Christianity Today, which is a massive publication, right? Like, yeah, that's a yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. And then for them to like send an author, a journalist down here, um, to purposely interview you. Yeah. Like, what what was that experience like? Um, was it fun? Was it cool? Was it uh, I don't know, humbling? What 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 was it like? Yeah, so uh, the the author's name of the article, her name is Becca McNeil, and Becca McNeil. I think she's actually listening to our podcast. So, Becca, if you're listening, hello. Hey, um, Becca. Shout out to Becca McNeil. What's up? Yeah, so she's super. Thanks cool. for coming down. Yeah, Sorry, she's su- no, no. Seriously, I mean that's a drive. It's, she's it's in Central drive, Texas, yeah. and so, um, uh, so she's super cool. Uh, we started talking over the course of a couple of weeks, uh, first on immigration. <laughs> And then she began writing an article, actually the one that we're going to be talking about. She began writing an article on, um, I suppose, really like Hispanics and Hispanic immigrants uh, and how they are beginning to, um, I suppose, like flood the American church. And and so how do pastors, um, how do Mexican-American pastors engage with the Hispanic population? How do other pastors, how do other non-Hispanic pastors uh, engage. What do they need to know? Similar to some of the things we've talked about previously, yeah. what do they need to know about how to engage the Hispanic population? Is this all in the lens of uh, because she started it speaking about and, and writing and thinking through immigration, right? Mm-hmm. So, like in the lens of like the immigration policies, in the lens of um, what was going on at that time and still is going on yeah. uh, to this day. 
Is this in that lens or just in the lens of like a Hispanic? Yeah, I think this this article in particular is in the lens of Hispanic congregations okay. growing in America. Okay. Um, because Hispanic population is obviously con- the largest minority and it continues to grow. Um, congregations, church congregations are being affected in a good way or they're being impacted in a good way by that growth. Right. right. And so how do Mexican American or how do Hispanic pastors engage uh, Hispanic congregations and in light of that engagement, what could other Hispanic pastors or non-Hispanic pastors learn from that? Okay, so this is more like a, hey, here we are. We're shining a light at what's going on in the Hispanic culture. Mm-hmm. I slipped up on that. Um, and not just is it shining a light on it, but it's also like uh, kind of like a, here's like a couple next steps you can do. Uh, to better engage that culture within the context of the church, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, continue. Um, you were saying that it was pretty cool, you know, for them to send this. Like, what what did it feel yeah. like for, for you personally? Yeah. What did that mean? Yeah. Um, I think in terms of feeling, uh, one of the things that um, I really appreciated was, well, very, let me back up a little bit. Um, for me personally, it was, it was just exciting to be able to talk about this in particular. Uh, certainly it's a subject that I'm passionate about and I want others to know about just from conversations like you and I've had and other pastors and I've had. So one, it was exciting Two, um, in light of that excitement, it was also, uh, just a great opportunity to talk about this topic with a publication like Christianity today, knowing Hey, a lot of people are going to read this, man. I hope this helps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, because I think in, and I've had smaller conversations about this, I think as a whole, um, as it pertains to a lot of topics in the church right now about, uh, race and ethnicity, um, in my estimation, to an extent, to a degree, I want to be careful in saying it right. Sure. But to, to, in my estimation, it looks as if certain movements, conversations, um, emphasis have kind of skipped over Hispanic populations. Sure. Yeah. They've kind of skipped over Hispanic congregations. Yeah. And so getting an opportunity to just talk about, hey, this is how you reach Hispanic, you know, uh, the Hispanic population in your city. This is what we've done that works. This is what I'd love to share. Right. It was, it was just a really cool opportunity. That's awesome. Uh, like I'm, I know that I'm super grateful that you got the opportunity. I'm, I'm super grateful that I got to meet her, uh, you yep. know, talk to her as well. Uh, it was a really cool experience for me to, to, to witness that and to be a part of that. Um, you know, we had conversations slightly different, mm-hmm. uh, than yours. And in my sense, it was a conversation of like, uh, what is the, what does it look like for a BP agent to be in the same house, uh, you know, in the same church, same congregation as, uh, someone that may not have papers. Right. And what does that, what is, what, what is the, the push and pull in that? So it was a really interesting conversation. Um, we're going to get into the article a little bit in a little bit, but, um, I, you had mentioned that, um, you know, it was like a, like churches, I guess. And when we say church, we mean like the, the whole, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the big church. The big C. Big C. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big C. Um, when we uh, when we're talking about that, like we, you had mentioned that um, that they almost don't really know how to 
interact mm-hmm. uh, with with the Hispanic congregation. Uh, but it it's so interesting because in the article you see the statistics and it's the fastest growing mm-hmm. congregation. And mm-hmm. and uh, we'll have a link to the article in in our notes. So please go and read it and like it and share it. Uh, it's a really great article written. Um, it was written really great. Um, the interview, uh, not just Marco, but they interviewed a couple others. Um, super, super great stuff. Uh, but in the article, it says like it's a, it's statistically proven. It's a fact. It's the fastest growing congregation, yet the one of the least serviced mm-hmm. congregations. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I know we'll, we'll speak a little bit on that too, but I just kind of wanted to get a feel of what it felt like for you as a pastor of a Hispanic or multicultural church, right? Like <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, um, coming from a publication like that, like like Christianity Today, you know, and they're and they're, they're they're a big name. Uh, they're uh, they just recently wrote a really um, big article. Uh, you know, that they're getting a lot of flack from, but mm-hmm. um, you know, it was when you told me about it, I was like super excited for mm-hmm. you. I was like, Oh my gosh, Christianity yep. today is going to interview my boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when you called me like, Hey, she wants to talk to you. I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, so that was just like a really cool experience. And so, um, I don't know. It's to me, it's like, a, it's, it's a, it's a light. It's, it's a spark, right? It's mm-hmm. a, uh, I was, we were just, talking about about this in your house like how it all it takes is a spark right <laughs> I was kind of making fun of it but uh, it, it is you know it, it's it's um, it's good to know that people out there are seeing what's happening mm-hmm. and uh, not only are they seeing it but they want to know mm-hmm. you know they want yeah. to learn yeah and so it's really really exciting um, but anyway so let's dive into this article yeah um, what what I want you to tell us and, and take us through um, the questions she asked you and your responses to them. Like, yeah. And I know that you have the responses in the article, yeah. but like, kind of expand on those. And, and um, yeah. you know, uh, what, what I would tell my students, like, thread it out. Like, yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. So um, go ahead and uh, dive into the article and let us know. And I'll ask a couple of questions here and there. Yeah. Well, I think I think when the article gets to the point where, where Beck and I are interacting a little bit is... Um, Similar to what what you just said, so uh, the Hispanic population is not only growing in the United States, but Hispanic congregations are uh, really well established. They're growing in the church, and yet um, they seem to be, I guess, underreached, uh, underdeveloped in terms of relationship. What could uh, pastors learn? What works for us down here in in the valley? And so. In part, our conversation started going the way of um, programs versus versus relationship, and so certainly wanting to give, a, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but certainly wanting to give a little bit of, um, oh, I don't know, credit to programs. Like, hey, I'm not sure. saying they're bad; they're, they're, they they serve a purpose and they can yeah. be good. I think part of what makes for some pastors, part of what makes uh, reaching their Hispanic population in their congregation difficult is um, not all Hispanics are going to quickly assimilate to programs. Yeah, yeah. They want to know that they... Not all Hispanics are created equal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they want to know that the people in the church, the leadership um, wants to develop a relationship. And so they're going to value that more. 
And so part of what I, I remember telling to, or talking to Becca about was, you know, down here in the Valley, like we, we do events, but I'm also not really, um, uh, oh, what's the word? I'm not really uh, strong in events because yeah, you're not uh, putting all your eggs in that basket. Yeah. I don't put my right. eggs in that basket. Sure. Um, or as a church, we don't put our <clears throat> eggs in that basket, right. uh, because they're going to show up anyway. And so I rather, I rather develop a relationship at a table yes. with really good food and I need to make sure I have more than an hour yeah. to, to spend with them. Um, because I think those are values that the Hispanic, uh, population and culture have. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, there was, there was another, uh, pastor on this article. His name is Alejandro Aguilar. And he even goes on to talk about part of what makes it, I guess, intimidating for other pastors just in general to, to engage, address, uh, Hispanic populations is they're, they're not ready for some of the stories that yes. they have. They're not ready for some of the time that they really want to value. Yeah. And so, um, that was part of where, where, uh, the conversation with Becca was going, like, how yeah. do we, how do we engage? Not only how do we reach, but how do we engage? And so part of it was you need to have time. Programs are great, but they're probably not the best line of, right. um, communication. It's, it's not about like developing a horizontal type of relationship, mm-hmm. but one with depth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, can you remind me where Alejandro, the pastor, is from? Uh, he is the pastor of Iglesia Oasis in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Okay, so here we are, two different yeah. pastors. One's in Illinois, one's in South Texas, right? And essentially, both of you guys are expressing the same thing. Right, yeah. Right? So it's not like a... It, this is nothing new to, to you. This is nothing new to, uh, you know, Hispanic or, or Mexican-American pastors. This is just... Uh, the culture itself, like we care about time, we care about depth. Uh, we don't really care about like yeah. the program. We like yeah. we we want you guys. Um, and again, when I say you guys, I don't mean you guys. I mean you guys in the universal yeah. form. Yeah. Um, like get to know us. Yeah, I think uh, so. Here's here's one thing that he says, uh, and so this is written in the article. So. Um, to quote him, he says, the Anglo churches are not always ready for the stories Latinos bring to yes. their doors. Um, That's actually something that I was going to bring up. To right. Yeah. So they're not always ready for the stories Latinos bring to their doors, said Aguilar, who immigrated from Mexico. When asked by other pastors how to reach Latino people, he advises, listen to the stories, take your time. And then the next part of the article really goes on to talk about waiting for growth. Like, yes. Um, one of the things mentioned is uh, while white church leaders expect ministries to grow quickly, many Latino ministers brought up under the American Latin American megachurch pastors expect them to grow large. And so there's this there's this difference between, uh, um, yeah, like really it, there's this difference between immediate growth in terms of um, size and numbers uh, versus um I suppose like dense relationships being right. formed. And I think what makes that hard for many pastors, not just Hispanic, but I think what makes that hard for many pastors is like, those aren't necessarily some of the clearest metrics because that means now you're spending time with someone for a long time. Yeah. And so if you're <laughs> asked about your metrics, you're like, well, uh, I mean, we, so you compare that to the relationship Jesus had with the 12 disciples. That's three years spent with them. 
of like, yeah, they had some good days and then they jacked it up yeah. and then they had some really good days. And then when it came time to put everything on the table, they, they blitzed. Yeah. They chopped ears and denied. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And it's like, man, that's after three years of investment right. of everyday investment. And so I think when it comes to, um, dense relationships, discipleship, investing in people, um, while I think you can place, cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm the spreadsheet guy. I love numbers. Right. I think you can place certain metrics on there. They're just not going to be the kind of metrics that I think many want. They're not numerical. Numeri- yes. You know, metrics. Yeah. They're more it's, like, it's, it's is a he growing? Metrics, is, right. Exactly. Is, uh, are they growing in their sanctification? Are they growing in their love for Jesus? Are they repentant or walking in repentance? Sure. You know, do they strive for grace? Like all of these things you're like, yeah, absolutely. Um, that doesn't look neat on a spreadsheet. Well, what's though. that percentage? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what what percentage of their spiritual life is is you know <laughs> are they are they closer to being perfect or you know it's tell us some more. <laughs> and so it's just like ah man I mm, I don't know right right you know um, yeah so. I was gonna I was actually gonna um, I took a couple of screenshots so that we can kind of guide the conversation yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and that was one of the screenshots that I took uh, the, him talking about stories like get to know their stories mm-hmm. right um, and so I find that super interesting because. Uh, I'm actually going to quote you in this article. Oh my gosh. Uh, yes, this is Marco DeLeon, pastor of Storehouse Community. Oh, Come visit us. Anyway, um, but you say they were more they were more worried about trying to figure them out than getting to know them, right? And so it's one of these things where um, the worry is figuring people out. The worry is yeah. those metrics. Uh, and then you both, in two different Hispanic, uh, like Mexican-American communities, right, uh, mention getting to know them and then Alejandro says like listen to their stories mm-hmm. right and so um my question in that is why do you think it's so hard for them to spend the time to get to know to hear their stories and I have an idea yeah so I'm gonna share it and then you can tell me if, okay. if I'm wrong yeah um I'm probably not because <laughs> I'm hardly ever wrong. Um, I'm Mr. Right all the time. I, I'm, I'm always <laughs> right. Uh, oh gosh, that's awful. Um, but my idea was when I was reading this article and really thinking through this, uh, when he mentioned the word stories mm-hmm. um, and people like having a hard time wanting to hear their stories or maybe not wanting to, but actually sitting down to hear mm-hmm. them. Maybe they do want to, right? But like... Um, I automatically went to like, man, the majority of the story of the Mexican American is going to be a story of hardship Mm -hmm. and like, it's going to be a broken story. It's going to be a story that involves, uh, hate, a story that involves, um, strife. It's Mm going to involve like dirt, mud, you know, it's going to involve a lot of pain. And so my, I guess what came to mind to me um, was this idea that a lot of people don't really want to hear those stories mm-hmm. uh, because when you hear those stories and you get to know those stories, um, you see the vulnerability in people mm-hmm. and one of two things happens. You realize like, hey, I'm not vulnerable enough or you realize like, I don't like this vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... Like, that's where my head went. And I'm sure there's other reasons why people don't want to do it. But, like, I automatically went to that because I, I know that, like, when I hear people's stories, like, when I hear my students say something or when I get to meet with people and, like, we talk, um, that when they when they're vulnerable, like, it makes me wonder, 
uh, am I being vulnerable enough? Or man, like that was a little too much for me to handle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, at at times I fall in that. Um, and so that was my question. Like, what do you think that is? Am I, am I, I guess, right in thinking that, or like what other reasons do you think that people don't really want to hear people's stories? Yeah, I, I think actually those are two really good reasons. Uh, so number one is realizing you're not as vulnerable as you think. Mm. Uh, or number two, um, and, and, and I've actually heard number two more than the first one, but the okay. number two being, um, that's, that's a lot that's for me. That's too much for me to handle. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, so that's yeah. number two. Number three, I would also venture to say that it can be kind of a, on the coattails of number two, but number three, I would say, um, it can be intimidating okay. because of, sure. um, not just because of the experience, Hispanics may may bring to the table, but also there's there's there might be a language barrier, and that's intimidating to people because uh, not only is there a barrier because of the language, now there's a cultural um, barrier that may come with that, and and so some people kind of don't want to don't want to engage that because not only yeah. is that is that too that much sense. for me, I also don't get that world like I hear about hardship and domestic violence and poverty and now it's like you've gone through that now so now that experience is literally at my front door yeah and it's not just an experience but it's also um there there's a potential linguistic barrier there's a potential or it's something that i gotta understand linguistically yeah there's something i gotta understand culturally like that's a lot of mental and emotional work that i don't know i'm i'm ready for i kind of just i kind of like my white white picket fence sure and life where you know and 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 with that like it's not necessarily um how can i say this it's not necessarily uh um wrong you know it's not necessarily wrong Mm -hmm. like i get that i Mm -hmm. understand that Mm -hmm. like you know it can be too much and the fact that like i'm experiencing it with someone that i'm trying to care for it's probably a big thing right like it's probably heavy it's a heavy burden and who wants to carry those and so I get it. I understand it. But the fact is that the necessity is there for it. Though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there, there must be um, some listening to, there must be some time being spent uh, in, 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 um, I guess in developing these, these relationships between people in, in that Hispanic community and the Hispanic congregation. Um, it's difficult though. I get it. Um, you know, it talks about investing time instead of planning events, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's something that you had mentioned, like, mm-hmm. you know, time is more important than events. And, um, and I feel like that's like pretty self-explanatory. Um, I feel like it makes sense. Um, I just, I, I guess I don't understand how people like don't get that. Yeah. I think I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think what makes it challenging, right, uh, if we're looking at Hispanic populations, I think what makes it challenging is every generation values something different and we're asking the church to keep up. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, so for instance, first and second generation Hispanics, I think, can have different values 
um, not different, excuse me, let me back up. First and second generation Hispanics can have um, a grounded value in relationship more than third and fourth generation Hispanics because they tend to be more Americanized. And so things like uh, assimilation and events, it's kind of normal to them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? First and second generation, it's not. Relationship uh, development friendships, connectivity, investment, time spent, that is that is a much more grounded type of not grounded, but that that's just a bigger value for right. that generation. Right. Um and then again you got third and fourth generations who are like, I mean, yeah, I saw my mom do that. <laughs> like I saw my mom and dad do that. Yeah. And you know. Um but let's go. Like let's do the events. Let's let's do, do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think that also makes it challenging for the church, you know, um, because if, especially if you do have a congregation where you do have, where you have Hispanics coming, uh, in large number, and let's say they're third and fourth generation, uh, that's kind of encouraging because they're going to kind of run with most of them. A lot of them are going to run with what you're already doing. But then if you encounter a second generation Hispanic, they want it, Hey, slow it down, man. Like, yeah. Uh, I kind of want to build a friendship. You meet a first generation Hispanic and now you have not only uh, similar cultural values, but you also have a linguistic barrier. So there's some, there's some challenges that the church has <laughs> yeah. to the you growing. Could say that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like we were talking about it yesterday uh, at the, at our office Um one of the girls had asked me, what's it like when uh, a first generation Spanish speaker attends storehouse? And when I begin to talk to them, yeah. And so when I begin to talk to them, I could hear their, their broken English. Yeah. And then I switch over to Spanish, a a formal Spanish. Yeah. uh, Or a formal dialect of Spanish. And there's almost, not only is this bridge built and now not only are we connected culturally but there's also this like sign of relief that uh not just they're going to be accepted but they they someone gets them you know what i mean yeah but not everybody in the church can do that i, I, right. I don't expect everybody to know spanish right um but that's a, that's a challenge and if you're in a larger church with a larger congregation like uh, I mean, even now on resumes, just like you see this in education, like, yeah, I mean, speaking Spanish isn't required, but it's preferred. It's definitely preferred. You know? yeah. yeah. And really, and you know, even though it says it's preferred, it still leans more to the required well, side yes. of things. It's a, Absolutely. So similarly in the, in, in many churches, I don't want to say all churches, but similarly in, in many churches where there are large Hispanic populations, um, yeah, on those, those uh, job descriptions, you might see, hey, bilingual is required. Uh, preference, preference. Uh, preferential, yeah, you know, um, but they kind of <laughs> mean really it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say most of the time they kind of lean toward, yeah. yeah, it really is preferential. It'd be nice if you do, but uh, but but you may not, that's okay, yeah. There's a, there's a section in the article that says this. It says, for example, only 24% of the new congregations surveyed are led by a pastor who identifies as Mexican while 42% said most of their congregation is Mexican, right? And so that kind of speaks into what you were just saying. Like, 
Yeah, it's not required, but it yeah. kind of is required. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I bring that up because I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Like, what is it um, you as a pastor who can clearly speak Spanish, right? Like, see, sí. see, <laughs> sí, yo hablo el español. <laughs> um, <laughs> please don't speak like that. Um, but uh, when you go to um, how do you feel when you go, because you visit a lot of churches yeah. uh, and you, you preach at a lot of those, like in San Antonio, right? Yeah. Like with your boy, like, um, and you see those like either multicultural or maybe the majority is Mexican American, sure. like, um, and maybe the pastor can't really speak, uh, like sp- speak Spanish, <laughs> right? Um, like, how do you feel about that? Like your honest to God, genuine feelings yeah. about that. Oh. Not, and you don't need to call anyone out, sure. right? But like, because uh, if I'm being real honest, like if I see a congregation that's the majority, like, I mean, here we're using numbers, 42% said most of the congregation is Mexican. 42% yeah. of the people that she talked to yeah. or that were whatever this was mm-hmm. um, said the congregation was majority Mexican. If I visit one of those churches and I realize like homeboy um, can't really speak Spanish. I'm not, I mean, it's nothing against them, sure. right? Nothing against them. Sure. Uh, but like, I want to see like, what are you doing then yeah. to reach those people? Yeah. So how, how does, and this is from an outsider. This yeah. is from, you know, I have no, no, uh, no dog in the fight, but like, how do you feel? Yeah. Similarly, okay. you know, uh, okay. I, I'll walk in if there's, <laughs> there is a, uh, a group or a population of, cause I, I see a couple of things. Uh, number one, I see the pastor who has a small percentage of Hispanic families in their church. And he's coming to me saying, what do I do? What do I do? I have no <laughs> idea what to do there. <laughs> and, and it's fun. It's funny because they're just like, they're here. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> what to do. <laughs> they're here. It's like an infestation. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but in, in a good way, like. Uh, I, I know one dude who is really excited about that. Yeah. And he's like, but I don't know what to do. Uh, and so he's intimidated by that. So it kind of goes yeah, back to the intimidation. You know, sure. He's like, oh, man, I've been wanting this. Oh, God, actually answered my prayer. Yeah. Uh, what do I do? Sure. Uh, so so there's that, right? There, there, It's the, the pastor or the team that's like, uh, what do I do? Yeah. The second one is... Um, hey, we do have a lot of Hispanics in the church. Uh, okay, so what are you doing about it? And um, it tends to be uh, a lot of the churches that I've preached at tend to be smaller congregations. So time spent with them is kind of a value already. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, keep keep doing keep that. Going. Like you're you're doing you're doing really well. Um, and then there's the other uh, pastor or church who is like uh, similar to the first in the sense of, oh my gosh, Hispanics are here. Um, but it's more like, instead of asking, what do I, (laughs) instead of asking, what do I do? They're more stating like, so now we're multi-ethnic, right? Okay. You know, it's, 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 um, it's like one of those like boy scout things. Yeah. You know, I got the, the multi-ethnic badge. I got the badge, you know? And, uh, and so so we did it. Yeah, we we did did it. it. We're (laughs) multi-ethnic. And, No, you know, you're not. So, so I kind of see an array of things okay. happening, and I think part of that is just because, um, like I said, I think I think the Hispanic population within the church has kind of been skipped over, and so 
um, in, in many degrees or too many degrees. And so there are some pastors, there are some churches who are like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, or yeah, we, we got this, we got this badge or, but then vice versa. Like I remember, so storehouse is a part of the X29 church planning network. And when I had to get assessed for X29, one of the questions was, is your congregation a multi-ethnic congregation? Like that's a value we have. Therefore, Uh are you, are you pursuing that value? And I remember just scratching my head. Um, (laughs) and so I, I put my answer and I said, I, I think I am. There's um, a possibility. Yeah. And uh, and so I remember in the interview, we began talking about the Hispanic population. And I said, hey, one of the questions you ask is, are we multi-ethnic? And they're like, yeah, tell us about it. Uh, you know, being someone who pastors a, a church of, of several Hispanics, you know. Uh, and I said, well, that's, that's the thing. Um, so you do know not all Hispanics are Mexican. Yeah. That, that's number one. So to answer your question... Yes, we are a multi-ethnic <laughs> church because I have people from Guatemala, Ecuador, Cuba, yeah. Mexico, like, and that you know that's Hispanic, and 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 those, <laughs> but those are those those are multiple ethnicities, um, and they kind of sat back like, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that you're right. Yeah, you know, and it was just like. I mean, I speak Spanish, but there are some differences in Guatemala. <laughs> sure. sure. You know? And I think you, you actually mentioned that in the article, right? You say... I think so. Uh, while, and I quote, <laughs> while there are crossovers in Hispanic cultures, there are differences. Um, so, I mean, clearly there are differences. And I mean, that would be multicultural, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not again, not all Hispanics are created equal. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. So, that... I'm going to be real honest. That was a real safe answer. You were a what? <laughs> I'm going to be real honest. That was a real safe answer. You <laughs> you played that card real well. <laughs> and that's why you're a pastor. Um, <laughs> uh, I think uh, we got to close it up here in a little bit. Yeah. But um, I just want to like, I guess, go back and just say that like, I'm really, truly thankful for opportunities like this. Uh, I'm really thankful for... Uh, Christianity Today uh, sponsorship um, <laughs> by <you> know, two <laughs> Hispanics. <laughs> Get your badge. <laughs> it's, a, it's a double chico with double chico. Uh, with um, some rancheritos. Yeah, oh, ranch- dude, I had some. Like, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, they're so good. I will have those I over Dakis any, any day. day. Any oh, day. I Dockies, man. Any day. Uh, yeah, Dakis are the worst. Um, anyway, so, um, so I'm, I'm thankful for those opportunities. I'm thankful that, you know, that she interviewed you. I'm thankful that her and I get to speak a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I'm hopeful that more opportunities like this will come up, uh, not just with, you know, Christianity Today or anything, but like with, uh, smaller, uh, I guess, publications with, uh, bigger ones. I'm hopeful that like churches ha- start having those conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that um, because it is growing that people start seeking out answers, yeah, and are willing to learn and willing to have conversations that may be hard. Um, so I I don't know. I, I thought this was a great opportunity, and mm-hmm. I'm really excited for people. Like, please please click on the link and go read it. It's a really great article. 
Uh, it's got a lot of like numbers and stuff. And so if you're uh, if you're it's a spreadsheet, yeah, if you're a spreadsheet type of person like this guy over here, um, you're gonna like those numbers. But if you're uh, don't really care about that stuff like me, uh, you're gonna enjoy the writing in it. It's gonna it's it's really good. Um, so uh, that's what I would say. I'm just I'm hopeful. Uh, and if I'm being really honest, I'm also a little bit fearful. Um, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful because opportunities will be open and I'm fearful because those opportunities may not be taken mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Sure. So, um, anyway, let's close it out. Marco, if you want to give us a benediction, maybe your last thoughts. Yeah. I mean, in light of the article, uh, and what we've been talking about, I think the greatest value if, um, outside of you being Hispanic, if you're, if you're not, uh, if you're a pastor or leader, or whatever, reaching Hispanic people, families, populations in your city. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I think the best thing that you can do, and it's, it's overgeneralized, but I think it's also very specific. The best thing that you can do is spend time um, with uh, Hispanic families and individuals. Um, And I don't think that's just like a Hispanic thing like that. I think that's something that's biblical. Like Jesus spending three years with the disciples was a lot of time. That's a lot of conversations. That's a lot of informal conversation. That's a lot of formal conversation. Um, And so I would, I would encourage people to, to be encouraged by the gospels, be encouraged uh, by the ministry of Jesus uh, as it pertains to, um, valuing time with others. And in this case, Hispanic populations. Yeah. I think to close it out, uh, these are your words in the article, build the table, have food on it Mm -hmm. and spend time with them. Yep. All right. That's it for the confessional taco. Thanks for tuning in. And, um, I don't know, ask us some questions. What are your thoughts? Hit us up on the IG on the IG. Don't slip in in those DMS though. You know what I'm saying? I want to stop now. All right. Deuces, y'all. Thanks for joining us this week on The Confessional Taco. If you'd like to follow us on social media, check us out on Instagram at The Confessional Taco. Visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Confessional Taco, or head on over to our website, theconfessionaltaco.com, and hit us up. 